Welcome to Professor Latinx, and we are in a ghost town at the OSU campus today. There's no one around. Um, uh, partly the uh, co- uh, the, co- uh, the coronavirus and, of course, uh, spring break. But um, the good news is I have Cristina Rivera here. Hello, Cristina. Hello. And we have Irma Zamora. Hi. And we have the wonderful Peyton, who is like multi-talented comic book creator and media uh, critic. So let's go for it. Um, Today we're going to talk about some of the Netflix shows, especially focusing on Hintified. um, That's been grabbing a lot of the kind of airwaves lately. And just to have a conversation about what's kind of innovative about it, what it's doing that's important and interesting um, and then maybe also mention a couple of things about um, on my block that seems to also be capturing, capturing some people's attention right now. But to open this, I wanted to mention that the mainstream, like Hollywood Reporter and Time Magazine, um, they've identified this as a series about immigration and immigrants um, in the case of Hollywood Reporter, even calling the characters, like saying that they're chasing the American dream. What do we think about that? Um, I don't know. Who wants, to, who wants to jump in here? Americanization, American dream, a, a series about immigration. Christina. All right. Well, I don't really think it's a series about immigration. I think that immigration is a an aspect of the series. I think that there are characters that are bringing up uh, modern day issues, especially in Southern California, in terms of immigration and crossing the border. Um, but the show is really about family and art, um, about the differences of generations um, in Latinx families, um, and about you know, what it means to be a young person growing up in L.A. um, with education or without education and trying to make ends meet. Yeah, I think um, just to build off of that, the I do see the if we see the American uh, dream in there, it's more about the lack of achieving it and how like structures that are around um, our population is actually inhibiting it. That's why we keep seeing even that scene with the grandpa who's like bailing out the dad of Eric um, but then it's like recurring and it's the same thing we see it there the structures are still there inhibiting us from getting that American dream but it's much more about like family and art love how are all these things functioning within that and what are how are we navigating that in a in a place like that many people call home in LA and what are we seeing there now that everything's changing mm-hmm. I would also say like I agree with that and that I would characterize it as a show about survival. So like immigration, sure, that's a part of it. American dream, sure, that's a part of it. Um, The myth of the American dream, that is. Um, But I, I would say it's about culture and who has the right to, you know, profit off of culture and what it means to like give in to the system or have to play into the system in order to survive, in order to stay. Um, and then what, how that makes you kind of like, I think Anna's called like a vendida, a sellout. Mm, yeah. um, so what it means to be a sellout. 
Yeah, what it means to be put in that position, right? Yeah, exactly. So here you have like <clears throat> Casimiro and the cousins, and you have Anna and her art. But I mean, in the end, you have to be able to pay your rent and put、mm-hmm. food on the table, and right. So then, you know, you're put in a situation where there are folks that are saying, you know, you're a sellout、um, or you're selling us out. You're, you know, hentifying. Um, but at the same time, the system itself, capitalism、mm-hmm. itself, is pushing you into that corner. What what else are you going to be able to do to to survive? Right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Really,、um, really important. This idea too of like the American dream. What what like what is the what is the American dream? What's the Amer? It's a myth. We know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, but when we really kind of scrape it hard, right? Scrape back the veneer of it. We actually see that. Yeah. Casimiro and the cousins. Well, that's the American dream. It's called surviving in a situation that's so precarious for、mm-hmm. us. Those that have been pushed to the economic, sort of ethnic, r- ethno-racial margins, where you don't know if tomorrow you're going to be li- able to, you know, live in the same house or have the restaurant that you wanted that's been there forever, right?、Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's talk about some of the cool things that are happening in the show. Like I was really blown away about with.、Um, Casting,、mm-hmm. you know,、mm-hmm. with the way that we have a kind of linguistic,、um, a real range of kind of how we are, right? Linguistically, phenotypically,、mm-hmm. right,、um, and also, you know, sexuality,、um, you know, shape and size, old and young. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think,、uh, Christina? Yeah. Yeah. Well,、uh, so one thing that I really appreciated and I thought was really fascinating was. How the older generation speaks to the younger generation in Spanish.、Um, as a first gen myself, that was something that happened in my household as well.、Um, and my parents, my grandparents, spoke to me in Spanish, and then、um, I responded in English because, you know, school here in the United States, you speak more English.、Uh, so I just felt like,、um, like my experience growing up、um, in the United States, in California specifically, was really represented authentically through that. Um, through the, I wouldn't even say it was language switching because it was pretty common that the older gen was speaking Spanish and then the responses were coming from the younger characters, which was really neat. Yeah, I, I really love that. Like that was one of the big, like, big things that I really appreciated from the show, especially like the older folks were the ones, like, and even、um, I forget his name, Jorge and Javier.、Mm-hmm. They were like the ways like they went through in like those Mexican slangs, and like、mm-hmm. there was like a lot. There wasn't a lot of like translation happening on screen. I was like, yes, we don't need that. Like、yes. it's only for the gente, and、um, that's really. I think that's important because it truly is representative of. What was happening on the ground in、uh, LA? Like when you go on the street, what are you hearing?、Mm-hmm. And it really is that like older folks might be speaking to you in、um, in Spanish, and but they they do understand you. It's not that they don't want to speak it or, or like they don't understand what you're saying. They just like will speak to you in Spanish, and it's all understood. Like you can respond to them in English, but they'll respond right back to you. Like they understand you completely, right? Yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah I also really appreciate it. Appreciated the language aspect of it,、um, and I also like found it so fascinating that、um, like I really enjoyed one day of one day at a time, and I felt like、um, what's her name, the Alex, the young girl, is that her name or is that the、mm-hmm. boy? Okay, Elena.、Uh, yeah, Elena. Thank you.、Um, that she like her coming out is like part of the narrative, and it's really moving, but that hentified. 
it's not. It's just like she like right from the start, they're like, Oh, how's your girlfriend? And it's it's not this dramatic or really sad um narrative. It's like already established as normal in the family. Um and then another well, yeah, I guess I, I just I just really liked that aspect of it. And I I related to her a lot. I think she might be one of my favorites. Yeah, I like that too because it um, allows the show to also compli- allow for complication in their relationship, but mm-hmm. Nina Anna, and Jessica's relationship in ways that are um, we just don't see on the screen mm-hmm. because, like you said, a lot of the times so much of the screen time is given to the coming out or the struggle to come out that we never get to that point where, you know, we, wow, okay, yeah. So we have Anna who's really struggling to become a, an artist and known as an artist and pay bills and help the mom out. Um, and Jessica, who's an activist, um, and I love that, you know, she's mm-hmm. identified as Dominican Latina, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this kind of Latinidad, but also an activist who, um, and, you know, at a point where they kind of have tension, a lot of tension mm-hmm. between the two of them, which we just don't get, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that, yeah, it's also kind of airing some dirty laundry that there's p- folks in our community that are super queerphobic, right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, Peyton, I'm not putting you on the spot, no, but yeah. you want to, like... I think part of what I found fascinating is this kind of, like, tension and juxtaposition of, like, artivism and activism mm-hmm. and how... Um, the art isn't well received, but it's also like critiquing the community, but it's supposed to be for the community, but it's not being like paid by the community. The community's not really having a say in it. So I found like that um, with Anna's uh, mural on the wall, I found that extremely, you know, I, I mean, I it, it provoked some, I guess, reflection in me, you know, having access to these kinds of institutions and, you know, how some, like, in order to pay my bills, I got to try to get these diversity grants or whatever. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's it, it, it didn't always make me feel good, but I think that it is extremely important conversations to be having. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what, what that's what I thought about it. Yeah, so, and then, of course, the romance. Uh, um, romance also with the character Eric and Lydia, mm-hmm. right? Um and that's interesting, too, because we have actually arguably the smartest guy on the show, right, Eric, uh, at least book smart, right, mm-hmm. um, and super kind of woke, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, Lydia, when they go into the hospital, he's like, she's allergic to penicillin and toxic <laughs> masculinity, right? <laughs> um, um, and then you have the kind of juxtaposition of Chris um, and Eric, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Chris is, you know, constantly put under like the thumb or the pressure of like proving his Latinidad, yeah. right? Um, and I think all of us have had some of that in our lives, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Irma, you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the litmus test? Like, are you enough? Are you Latina enough? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, that's, I thought they were really smart about that, especially him trying to prove it when he's like a, a chef right and the chef in the making and it's like how what else like how else can you be more mexican like <laughs> you making food and experimenting with tacos like what, what's more mexican than that but also just like what are like the fact that he doesn't have sabor is like questioned all the time and i think those tensions are really prevalent especially like folks who go out of state right mm-hmm. um and then come back 
And um, I mean, personally, I also had that issue of just like, all of a sudden, I guess I spoke differently. I, mm. I didn't think so. And then, um, and like eating this food and being like, oh my God, this is so appreciated. But then like at the same time, critiquing certain things about the community, but then being like, so then you're not Mexican. You got, you got whiter. You're like a fake Mexican. Mm. And I was like, um, no, like I still had the same experience of you growing up and I still get, if we're going to, when it gets down to it, I still get critiqued. Mm-hmm. Um, or called out or, you know, all these microaggressions. Like, people can't even pronounce my name. So, <laughs> um, all these. And he says that, too, about, like, his name, too, in the in the scene with the tamales. Mm-hmm. He's like, people in, in, in Idaho yeah. couldn't pronounce my name. They would say my whole name and, like, did not roll with that. Um, but, yeah, that's a re- really, I liked how they presented that, represented that kind of um, tension of coming back home. And mm-hmm. after going away and, bec- like, getting a dream, right? Going to college, graduating college with his business degree. Um, <laughs> and uh, being told that you're smart and you succeeded. Like, this is a marker of success. But then you come back and all of a sudden everything's, like, out of whack and off balance. Um, and people notice that you're not the same uh, per- the, You're not the same person who you left. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back and all of a sudden you behave a certain way, not because you think you're better but because you had to in those spaces mm-hmm. um and in order to succeed in these like predominantly white spaces you have to change unfortunately like and you don't even notice it it's like the system kind of you just mm-hmm. change because it's a response um and then going back and being told you're a weddle or a weta mm-hmm. and just having to deal with that i think they did, played that really smart i love that sequence um, when they were in the kitchen and they had him like dance and eat all those that yes. candy and scored him as if like if you get like if you can handle this amount of spiciness then then you get like a ten. But mm-hmm. I was like, is what? No, like I can eat chile all the time. Like I'm not, my stomach's not the same. Um, so it's like just interesting how they scored him mm-hmm. and then as if certain markers are there that will make you. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexican and but I also think I like that going back how I guess e- Eric is even though he's a like kind of like a little cholo like he has that aesthetic going yeah. on and like the attitude but then also his book smart um, how he's his Mexicanness is never questioned mm-hmm. even though as compared to like Chris's mm-hmm. right so then are we just changing what Mexican means and people are not catching up to that Mm-hmm. Um, so then, like, what do what do all these all these things mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that also speaks to like how the show complicates like the institution of education, right? Mm-hmm. And who has access to that, and who's allowed to return and who isn't? Because Lydia, like, goes mm-hmm. to Stanford and comes back and then gets pregnant and then gets a job back at Stanford, which is mm-hmm. pretty amazing, right? And so she has to like make that decision whether she's going to leave her community behind to go pursue her own dreams, which is in higher ed. Um, And of course, Eric being her partner, um, who is the book smart one, right? Not institutionally educated, but then as you were saying, is the one with this aesthetic, which is more Chicano, right? More from the, you know, barrio where they are. So um, I just, I think it's really interesting when we're talking about the generations and we're talking about um, like who has access to said institutions, right? And and sort of like the commodification of um, of space of of mm. these spaces that were predominantly Latino. So, how does education play a role in there? Um, and and how do we evolve that, right? And how do we change the way that 
um, you know, education being being sent away f- uh, to pr- pursue a degree um, may not mean being whitewashed, but rather um, a way of being able to return and then improve community um, and reclaim some of um, what is being taken over by gentrification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, let me, uh, yes, and it's interesting too that Eric and Lydia may be like offering a kind of new model for seeing that too, because it's not just, she's saying let's go together and there are going to be all these, you know, you know, Cholito, you know, these little dudes mm-hmm. that are going to want to like learn from you. You're going to like bring your stuff to them. Like, let's, let's like, you know, let's change that space too. Like, it's not just about being changed by it, but let, like, mm-hmm. what can we bring to change the space of higher education? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Peyton, I don't know if you wanted to throw it Yeah. In. I, when, when you were speaking, Irma, about the um, sequence in the kitchen, I thought it was so funny that like, the the when he finally gets the 10 is when he punches the white dude and like calls <laughs> out so like like that as i don't know rasa or whatever um i i really liked that part of it um i mean i i'm constantly you know called gringa or whatever um because i because of you know it's 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 unfortunate because you like your family is here and Americanization happens and they're kind of forced to assimilate out of survival. Um, so like I didn't speak Spanish growing up because my grandpa um, didn't want to teach us because he didn't want us to face like linguistic discrimination for our accents. Um, so now I'm learning it, but like now he's simultaneously proud that I know it, but then he'll also like critique my Spanish constantly, <laughs> like constantly. Um, and so I think there's like this, this relatability to like for me at least for Chris because like there's like I don't know there's that constant like like for he he's always called gringo and he, I feel like I would want him to just be like look at me like am I perceived as a gringo anywhere um so yeah I don't know the the concept of gatekeeping who gets to be latinx and like why is super mm-hmm. interesting yeah and to get back to the um Jessica character and actually all the characters cuz they're all so um, sort of wonderfully different. Um, but I love, too, that we also have on screen, and, you know, I have to give credit also to On My Block because um, th- we have that as well with um, with Monse. But, um, the you know, having finally we have Latinx, you know, Afro-Latinx on the screen in ways that aren't just token, right? There's an actual character that's part of the whole series and very important part of the whole series. Um yeah, and other other romances. There's the romance finally with uh, Lupita and Cas- Casimiro, right? That's yeah. also pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, our abuelos, you know, they are not just like you know the storytellers or this or that, like kind of you know these figures that don't really have that kind of life. Here, it's saying no, actually, there's you know, they're pretty complicated and interesting, right? Um, and uh, so tacos to narcos, okay, that's an expression that we've been hearing because Netflix has, you know, gained a kind of reputation for its, you know, narcos. Uh, it, original, um, I just, you know, of course watched all of those and I've watched the new one called Zero, 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 which m- even more starkly kind of shows how, like, Mexicans, Latinxes are either hypersexualized or gangbangers, right? Um, that show is set in three different countries, 
and it's the Italians and the the Anglo's are kind of you know bourgeois higher class. There's a certain kind of aesthetic that they represent, and then the the Latinos, the Mexicans, are either you know killing people or super hypersexualized. And this show definitely pushes against that, wouldn't we say? I don't know, um, Irma. Do you want to say something about that? Is this another tacos de narcos? Um, no, I think this is very different. Like the food and the whole stuff like that is very central to the storyline. I think, um, <clears throat> but like I think we said, we all said it is very much like a different kind of narrative. This is much more about like survival, but in a different kind of sense. It's about uh, like family and uh, the community in a lot of other ways that we don't see it. We see so many characters that are usually on the fringes um, of like the tri- like the not go storylines that we just like delve into their own like day to day. Like we see Javier, who's like the mariachi singer, mm-hmm. and we get like that one episode, of the grapevine with like the son, and like we just get that really powerful focus of him. We see the mom of um, Anna. And like her hard work in the what's I forget women's work I think is the episode, and <clears throat> all these characters that you kind of see in the sidelines of like these very traditional kind of Hollywood narratives, all of a sudden like they have their own narrative. They're anchored into. They're tied into the center of the community, and I think that's what really sets this show apart in a lot of ways. All of a sudden you don't like the the faces that you see and the sidelines. All of a sudden, there's like a like a not tying in them into the community, and mm-hmm. that's I mean that's the central part of community as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't help but um, think about Dr. Paloma Martinez Cruz's book um, called Food Fight, Mestizaje. I think that's the full title. Um, but she she did a lot of critique on or not even critique, but exploration of you know what Latinx food. And how how Latinx people are conserving or preserving their own livelihood by having to like buy into these stereotypes of um, you know Latinx food, and I think that this show kind of supplements that text really well because you know instead of like yeah instead of just the stereotype, it's it's part of it's not like the central part of the show. It's maybe like a side thing or like a background character or whatever um we're, we're shifting the the lens if you will to focus on that specific person and you know how how you you sympathize with them but then you also sympathize with the protesters um and you can see both sides and it's no one's protesting at like the gentrifiers um office or whatever it is no one's speaking directly to them it's like this internal thing of we can't we have to fight the system and then like having to survive um and i yeah that's that's the book that i really recommend um especially with this like conversation yeah it's great um christina would you want to throw something yeah. in there yeah um i also think uh kind of like piggybacking off of that um and and what Irma was saying is that um these like little side narratives that become very central are like helping to dramatize the story in a way, but like in a very realistic way, right? Like these are all stories that we've heard before, um, but you're actually getting this like really like gut wrenching like emotion from it because it, it you just see how challenging and difficult it is, um, and 
you know, in conversation of the of food, uh, what I thought was really cool was the um, old woman in the store, the convenience store, and how mm-hmm. thakis were such a big part of that. <laughs> and um, and when Anna calls her like followers into the store to like help. Uh, generate revenue how like literally the old woman is like taking the thakis away from Mm -hmm. these like gentrifiers right and so it's um, so it's interesting just to see like it's such a cultural reference um, you know like with thakis are very significant Mm -hmm. uh, to a very certain cuisine right and so um, you know like versus Doritos or you know whatever Um, so just having something so simplistic like that is also very meaningful, right? And and something that really connects to um, a large part of the audience, I think, which is very powerful. You know, something that's so powerful, too, is that Mama Fina's is the center of the story, right? The mm-hmm. whole story gravitates around that mm-hmm. space. And that's a space of food. But it's not a space of food of like, um, like, this is like the authentic tortilla recipe or what mm-hmm. have you, right? I mean, one of the things that Chris brings to that space is that, yeah, we can do watermelon radish, right, <laughs> carne asada. And, but because they're doing it, Chris is doing it, Casimiro is doing it, right? They're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it it's still works. It's still culturally kind of, you know, a value, Right. If in Food Fight, as you mentioned, the thing that Paloma Martinez Cruz is critical of is these kind of hipster restaurants where we're working in the back in the kitchens for minimum wage and sometimes less, barely making a kind of living wage. And then you have kind of the front sort of space occupied by kind of hipsters that are, you know, innovating cuisine, but really to generate profit right at our expense i don't know Irma. what are you thinking yeah yeah i think i was thinking a lot about um i think it's the episode with the chicken tiki masala Mm. and like first of all that when he was like takis and (laughs) he was not takis um but even you're right it's like it's us making that flavor and us approving of it because what happened um chris and um the and pop give it over to i think it's javier and also Jorge, um, and they're like, um, no tiene sabor, uh, whatever. And then, but then Pops is like, you know what? Like, let me go test it out. And he has a recipe that Chris has, and he, I think it was the serranos that he added, and I forget what other ingredient he included. And he's like, yes, this is gonna, this is gonna make it. And then he like makes it. I think it is uh, to Julio. I forget who the character is, but he he gives it to him. He's like, oh yeah, like this is much better. And then. <laughs> Like, he nailed it, and he, like, writes it, like, Casimiro writes it on, and it's like, yes, this is a new recipe, and he approves it. But again, like, it was a whole process for it to get the right sabor mm-hmm. for the community. It is hipster, but it has, the like, that Mexican sabor that we put in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it was partly Chris, it was partly Casimiro, it was a community effort in that. And that's how different this, ep- like, how that difference is shown in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that gets back to Peyton's point about Anna and the community and the art, right, the mural mm-hmm. art, which which is that, um, yeah, we love what she p- paints on the side of the tienda, but the show is being also gently critical of her because she didn't go through that process mm-hmm. of including uh, an important member of the community in the kind of art that's being made, right? Not that, you know, um, you know we should necessarily, you know, um, 
a firm kind of a queer phobic positionality, but that she needed, right? She needed to kind of uh, make a process there in the art making space that she did, right? With the, you know, the lovely lady, even, you know, whatever prejudices she might have, right? Include her, right? Include. And in fact, we find out later that in fact, I don't know. It doesn't seem like she is that prejudiced. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna. I wasn't point that out. I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, she clearly did not have. Was not clearly supportive of uh, the mural. But at the end of the day, she like went up and defended mm-hmm. Anna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went with that clearly extreme homophobe. At the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so cultural tourism. You know, one of the other comments that the mainstream said was they were upset, and we've seen this before that the white characters were depicted as caricatures, um, right? And we've read this before. But, yeah, what would what you, I mean, you know, we have uh, Linda Yvette Chavez, who grew up in Boyle Heights as a writer on the show, getting it right. Um, and what do you, how do you guys respond to things like that when you read? Well, the white characters are, you know, that's not very good because the white characters are caricatures. I don't know, Peyton, you look like you want to jump in here. I just, like, don't... I think that in order for caricature to, like, be a critique, there has to be, like, power. Like, there has to be, like, a power difference that is harming the person that is, like, facing the caricature. And in this day and age, (laughs) no, no. That's, yeah, that's all I gotta say. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think they were, like, necessarily being, like, mean to the white characters, like, writing them into the script and the story. They were just presenting like how gentrification happens in communities, and uh, and you know um, I forget his name uh, Tim, yeah. the mm-hmm. um, uh, man who buys the convenience store. Um, I mean, he helps Anna achieve her dream, right? And it's this whole realization at the end when the other woman um, wants to pay her to you know, do another mural outside of um, the taco shop, right? And then the, everything kind of like hits the fan. But um, but yeah, so characters, maybe because they're not like, you know, as present in, in number in the show, but also that's okay. And, um, and they're still there. And, you know, it's, again, another realistic representation of something that actually happens in these communities. And they could have been portrayed a lot worse, I think. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Irma, any thought? I agree with everything that was said. Like, yes, there needs to be a power dynamic. And it's not, honestly, it's not, like, horrible. It's not like I have not seen half of what was said there by <laughs> the white folk in there. So, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so interesting. The whole the whole show is so interesting and complicated. Mm-hmm. And I also like that... Um, you know, we've also got um, just kind of, there's a certain levity, you know, we laugh too. There's mm-hmm. room, there's space for laughter. And it feels like so often when we are kind of in front of the screen, it's like super like traumatic, tr- you know, tragic only and never like showing that, yes, there's struggle, but there's like also joy and there's um, other things, other kind of positive things that are happening in our community, in our lives as we struggle. Um, and of course, you know, I was thinking, you know, the contrast would be a kind of show like Euphoria, 
um, or um, another contrast would be the expanding universe of Ashley Garcia, which is so light that like it's <laughs> I don't know it do- didn't grab me. But I want to mention as we're kind of wrapping up here on my block um, another Netflix show that's been grabbing some attention. It also you know um, kind of came out earlier. Um, and then was picked up um, and has been doing well on Netflix. I want, of course, we know that Hintified itself was a um, webisode, right? Before it became, got picked up and and um, turned into this Netflix series. But yeah, on my block also, um, of course, it's set in South Central. Um, but you've got Latinx um, middle school slash like high, rising high schoolers and their lives. Um, Irma, do you want to maybe a little, like, something comparing and contrasting as we kind of... And yes. then Peyton, yeah. So I was going to point out about the, like, sadness part with mm. Hentified 2, just because we can't forget about how the show ends Ooh, yeah. with Casimiro. Um, and that's one of the things that bugs me about both these shows. Um, so in Hentified, at the last episode, Casimiro, you find out, is a, a it's potentially that he's going to get deported. He gets... a. Uh, uh, arrested by ICE, um, which kind of bothered me because he, like, that kind of aspect of his identity was never, never, like, really clarified, which, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but um, it was, it is being used sort of as a cliffhanger. Um, it's being used as a kind of a trope here. And that's what happens in On My Block in the first season with um, Olivia. How does Olivia come into the storyline? Um she's presenting as her parents got deported and so she has to stay with uh, Ruben. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never see the parents, you never, uh, you see them at the end and then she like is killed and they're, they never really talk about it. At least, I don't know, in the second season they don't really bring up immigration, they don't really bring up um, undocumented issues, but yeah, so that was something that I saw. Um, on the positive side for both of these shows, I did appreciate like all of these complica- uh, complicated kind of characters about from both of them. Um, they delve a lot more in on my block with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, and he, with his, like, the gang life and all that stuff. Um, which Cesar. I, yeah, Cesar, he was, mm-hmm. like, um, involved with that. So I was, like, interested. But also just, like, the tensions of having to navigate kind of rougher neighborhoods. Um, but also having, like, a character like Jamal, who's all of a sudden ha- goes into his own adventure. So I like that there were kind of a lot of mixed genres in there mm-hmm. in On My Block, which um, you also sort of get with Hentify, but there's like a lot of genre blend- blending, which I appreciate from both shows. Mm-hmm. I have also some mixed feelings about On My Block. I think that they have like some really amazing like one-liners um, where like I was watching it yesterday just to try to brush up and um, they're kind of like talking about how they're gonna get sis out out of the gang and they're like oh we need the money and um like what's his name he was like oh what we can do the roller world money or whatever yeah Yeah. and he was like and they were like um only white kids find treasure (laughs) um and so like there's some there's some really good like critiques there but i i also just think that they don't really it seems like there's not enough complication of like the familial obligations to the gang and how like it it kind of feels like you're either in the gang and that's bad or you're not um and like I guess they start to complicate it a bit more in later seasons but I just feel like 
it's still situated around gangs and gang violence, which certainly is an issue in the community. But also, I think that, like, I'm not trying to say one is better than the other because they both tackle different things. So, like, that's that's the other thing. It sucks because, like, when you have such limited Latinx representation, you try to, like, pin them against each other. And, like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I personally prefer Hintified because I think that the character development is deeper. And I think that, you know, the, like, I, it's harder for me to talk about Hintified because I relate to more of the issues in the show. Um, and I, like, that caused some own self-reflexivity for me. Um, but I think that they supplement each other well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the my favorite character from on my block is the abuelita, right? <laughs> Seriously, like she rocks it, man. She's yeah. like smoking pot and like you know helps um, Jamal, like you mm-hmm. know on the on his uh, sort of treasure hunt. But she's totally down. And what I she's she's my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I I'm not joking. <laughs> like my abuelita grew pot and sold it. That's mm-hmm. how she made. Like that's how she paid her rent. Yes. Like that's how she paid her rent, and this was before that. it was legalized, right? Oh, I go yeah. to her Can house. She hang out with my grandmother. <laughs> she, I go to her house. She had the little balance thing, and she'd be like, you know, oh, yeah. with the buds and like making <laughs> and sure they're all clean. Out. And then the guy would come and pick them up and give her the cash. And um, I love it. <laughs> anyway, like that was that was my big thing. The weird, the thing that was like kind of odd to me with on my block is that like kids, fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds. If you spend any time with them. They're really complicated and mm-hmm. complicated also in their sort of desire spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like on my block was like really kind of kind of written through a straight kid lens, mm-hmm. a straight kid lens that actually doesn't really represent a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like Ruby or Ruben, like, you know, all about the boobs and Hamal and calling, you know, the bitches and stuff like that. And. I'm sure that's out there still, but you know, I, spending time with kids at that age, they're way more like kind of woke to stuff than I like. You know, this it feels like writers my age writing kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, Chris, Christina, I know you do a lot on kids and YA stuff. Nayeli, like, she's cool to me, right? Like, oh, yeah. she seems to be like. Yeah. Like really kind of complex and rounded and like, you know, she's going to go get the bus to Bakersfield <laughs> to see Danny and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Did you, resonate? did she like? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I just backtracking a little bit, I, I completely agree that um, writing children's characters and something that we kind of talk about in the children's lit and YA lit, um, like academic community is how it is really complicated to write children's characters because often adults writing children's literature are writing from the memory of their experience of childhood, which doesn't reflect what childhood means today. Um, And so, yeah, I think Nayeli's character was really um, innovative in the sense that you do see this like loneliness coming from this character, but this loneliness, uh, again, is like more of an authentic representation because it's, it's out of love, like her mother, you know, is working so hard and everyone in her life is working so hard so that she can go to school and, you know, have a good home and and be able to eat food. Um, And so, um, yeah, she just, you know, she's 
taking in the world around her. And, you know, she's the youngest one um, in the family. And, you know, she's learning from everyone around. Um, she sees, you know, the adults coming in and out, right? Chris has gone to school and come back. Lydia has gone to school and come back. Um, so, you know, she doesn't see it as a big deal. You know, Bakersfield's only two hours away. So why not go, right? <laughs> and and see somebody who gave her the time and attention and was sweet to her and was kind. Um, and she noticed that, right? And so she clings to that. And I think that um, that was just a really cool move because they're not really like, foregrounding a relationship between the children, which I think would have been more problematic, but rather just like a connection and a bond. um, And then like almost like a pain that comes with that because he ends up having to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like that kids are smart, Mm -hmm. like perceptive smart. Like she tells Anna, like, this is part of like, you know, stages of grief. So, you know, yeah. let's talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know? D- Dr. Nayeli. Yeah. And yeah. she's Happy super end. connected yeah. with, you know, Casimiro. And mm-hmm. um, so, as, you know, Hollywood Reporter says, Hintified is closer to the derivative Kahlo, Frida Kahlo kitsch than an original vision. That's Hollywood Reporter. It's closer to derivative Kahlo kitsch than an original vision. And I think if, for those of you who've been listening to our conversation, a <laughs> uh, Hollywood reporter needs, whoever wrote this needs to get another job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'll yeah, take it. Yeah. I'll take it. You'll start. take it. Christina will do it. Yeah. Do better <laughs> to be better. Um, but um, thank you for joining us, um, Christina, Irma, and Peyton. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And that's it for Professor Latinx. Thank you. <laughs>